This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. flesh and the spirit, the war among you, and it gets out of control and they fight against each other. So what is the spirit and the flesh fighting for? What's left? We're trichotomy, the mind, your consciousness. You see, because the flesh wins, it's going to have you think and do things according to the flesh. The other hand, the spirit, if it wins this battle, it's a daily battle on every topic, guess what's going to happen? It's going to have control of the mind. You're going to do things of God. Have you ever heard that saying of the angel and devil on your shoulders? On one side, the angel is telling you to do good, and on the other, the devil is telling you to do bad. The angel is really the spirit of God, and the devil is the flesh, or the world. As Pastor Eddie explains, the spirit and the flesh are always battling for control of your mind or consciousness. It's a daily struggle to decide if you will do worldly things or things of God. Well. Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 4, as he begins his message, Quarrels and Conflicts Among You. James chapter 4, verse 1. James writes this, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that wars in your members you lust and do not have? You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, in contrast of what we, where we left off, chapter 3, verse 18, where James writes that peacemakers who sow peace, now in chapter 4, uh, he opens up with war and fights, quarrels and conflict. And so as we, as we know that, you know, war has begun since the beginning of time. And wars are not only uh, between groups, countries, and nations, but also between families, once upon a time friends, neighbors, and sadly, even within the body of Christ. Uh, however, in this section, James, uh, James' letter, he's going to tell us about one of the greatest battles, the greatest wars known to mankind. And some of us, may, though it may be known to mankind, may not really be known by man. Uh, but not only he's going to uh, show us what the, where these battles come from, but the source, the source of these battles, these wars, these, these conflicts. So he's going to give us the source, the effect, 
and the cure. For those of you that are taking notes, we're going to look at three things in our passage. Number one, we're going to look in verses one and the first half of verse two. We're going to look at the source of conflict. The source of conflict. That's in verse one and the first half of verse two. Then in the second half of verse two to verse four, the effects of conflict. The effects of conflict. And then in verses five and six, the cure for conflict. The cure. And so we read the text. Let's look at it now, verse by verse. Look at verse 1. James chapter 4, verse 1, he writes, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Where do they come from among you? Now, the term war here speaks of a continual campaign or a state of hostility. The term fight refers to a specific battle, a conflict, or a dispute. Both terms are used here metaphorically of violent personal relationships and if, if it gets to the extreme, to the point where it can and will even end up in murder. And that's how it ends up. It's amazing how many of these wars and even personal you know, fights with certain people ends up in war or in death. And so James asked the question, where do wars and fights come from among you? He is asking the question to the church, to the believer in Christ. So he's asking the question to you. <laughs> he's asking you the question. He's asking me the question. Now remember, this letter is written, to, uh, is written for the believer in Christ. We find the word uh, brethren mentioned 15 times in this letter. So he's asking you the question. He's asking me the question. Uh, where do these wars and fights come from among us? And so quarrels and fights and conflicts are everywhere. And obviously, probably there was an issue uh, when James wrote, wrote this letter. Uh, but there's always been an issue in every church. Every church has issues. Every church. And the reason there's quarrels and fights, wars, <laughs> you know, and conflicts in churches is because the church is, is made up of People, you're right. Some of you already know me. It's made up of people. You know, we're, we're still, we're sinners saved by grace, but we still blow it, don't we? In fact, there was a problem in the very beginning when the, the birth of the church, soon after the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 6, you find that there was a dispute between the Greek-speaking believers and the Hebrew-speaking believers over the, the daily distribution. And that's when, you know, the apostles said, hey, let's appoint uh, some, you know, deacons in the church to deal with these issues. But there's always been issues. And so there's not a perfect church. That's the reality of it. Not one perfect church. There was a man who said to a minister, he says, I am not going to church because it's a bunch of hypocrites, you know. And uh, I'm looking for the perfect church. The minister said to him, well, if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you're going to mess it up. And if, it's a, and if it's a place of messed up people, then join the club. Because <laughs> we all, if we're truthful and we're honest, the reality is that we're all messed up, you know, especially me, you know. You know, I speak as the Apostle Paul would say, you know, I am the chief of all sinners. And he said that at the very end of his ministry, in his last letter. The beginning of his ministry, he says, of the saints, I'm the least of. At the end of his ministry, he says, I am the chief of all sinners. Because he realized, the closer he got to the Lord, you realize there's still so much in me that needs work. And so there's no one that's perfect. The only one that's perfect is Jesus Christ. We're imperfect people serving a perfect Savior. And so it's sad to know how much the church kind of quarrels and fights over so many things, especially non-essential things, you know. And listen, I've been in church for a long time. Been through a lot of different church circles, different denominations from since the age of eight. And every, I could always recall, even when I was young, that there was an issue in the church. 
And it's amazing the things that we fight for. Not over shooting a pig, but some things, you know, come probably close. Not essentials. Oh, the carpet is the wrong color. The, the, the temperature in the sanctuary is too hot, too cold. <laughs> the worship is, eh, it's okay, you know. Not our worship. I believe it's heartful. Oh, you know, we talk about the ministries we have or the ministries we should have. And so there's so many things that we fight for and we argue and we crawl over and it shouldn't be. Crawl over such things. You know, we should reason with one another and be patient with one another and see what God is doing. Sometimes we need to get out of the way so God can do his work. You know, we all have ideas. We all have opinions. But it's what the Lord wants. And so when we get together, this is why Jesus says to love one another. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And how much Christ has loved you? To death on a cross. That you also love one another. By this, this is the important, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The world needs to see that when we gather together, regardless of our background, who we are, what we like, what we dislike, is that we're able to get together. We have kononia, fellowship. We can break bread. We could sit down and, and have a burger or something. And we, we, we're in agreement. The psalmist writes this, Psalms 133, verse 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And so is important. Uh, there is uh, you know, conflict among you, James points out. So back to James. He asked the question, where do wars and fights come from among you? He answers the question at the end of verse 1. He says, do they not come from your desires for pleasure that wars in your members? So where does, this, where does it come from? Where does wars and fights come from? It comes from each and every one of us. You, me, everybody. Now, the Greek word for pleasure here is hedone, and is hedonism, and this is what it means. It means that one who lives only for pleasure, to, or one who desire that which is not his, that which is not lawful for him to have. And we live in a time where we want things that it's not ours. It's not lawful for us to have. It's not good for us to have. To the point where we can live just for pleasure. Just for pleasure. And it comes deep from within. And we live at a time where man has become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul gave this prophecy in his second letter to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, he writes this, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And we see that today more than ever. It is so prevalent. People just want to please themselves, even if it means alternating their body 
I saw an article where a young man disformed his body. He just had all these, he blackened his eyes with tattoo. He, had, he made his tongue look like a snake. And he says he hates human beings, that he doesn't want to be one. And it's sad. People like, this is happening more and more so today. Now, what does James mean by your members? Your members. Your members. Well, James is referring to the flesh, the body, the flesh, the soul, which is our consciousness, you know, the mind. This is our consciousness. And the spirit, trichotomy. We're made up of body, soul, and spirit. And these are the members that are war at each other. So this is where wars come from. It first begins from within. We have all these members. It comes from your members, he says here at the end of verse 1. We're made up of a trichotomy. And so the spirit that we have, we all have a body and soul, flesh and soul, but the spirit is given to, the spirit of God is given to those who receive Christ. Those who reject Christ do not have the spirit of God. You see, that's a difference. For every single one of you that are here this morning have received Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior, at the moment you repent and accepted Christ as Lord and personal Savior, the Holy Spirit is, dwells in you. He comes in you. Then you're spiritually alive. Otherwise, you're spiritually dead, you see. That's why you need to be born again. But here, Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica in verse Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. He says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, your soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there we see as we're a trichotomy made up of body, soul, and spirit. And so here's where the battle, the greatest battle ever happens. We look at histories of wars and we look at conflicts, you know, within you know, ourselves with others. Or we see conflict and battles and wars between people. But it's all within our members. That's the source. That's the origin of it. And every single one of us, every man, woman, boy, or girl, from Adam to the very last, every single one of us daily are at war. You are at war this morning. You're at war today. You're at war yesterday. And you will be at war tomorrow until your spirit leaves your body. You see, and it is the battle between the flesh and the spirit. That's where the battle is, the flesh and the spirit. Yes, this is why Paul tells us to walk in the spirit, right? Let's look at that. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. He writes this, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. The things that you wish in your mind. Your consciousness. This battle it's been going on since the day you were born. We we're born in sin. We we're born in sin. Once you, get, you came out of your mother's womb, you're born in sin. That's it. And so as you were a toddler, your mom and dad can tell you how bad you were. You're terrible tools, right? And we know this, you know. For example, a three-year-old. You ask a three-year-old, who did that? The three-year-old's going to say, not me. How did a three-year-old learn, learn how to lie? It's deep within. It's in our nature. It's the fallen nature of man. We're born into sin. And from that point on, since you were born to now, 
unto you, hopefully, if you accept the Christ to be in the presence of God, you will have this war is happening right now. The flesh and the spirit, the war among you. And it gets out of control and they fight against each other. So what is the spirit and the flesh fighting for? What's left? We're trichotomy. The mind, the consciousness. You see, because the flesh wins, it's going to have you think and do things according to the flesh. On the other hand, the spirit, if it wins this battle, it's a daily battle on every topic, guess what's going to happen? It's going to have control of the mind. You're going to do things of God. And that's important. So the flesh and the spirit are battling to control your mind, your consciousness. That's why we, we behave, we act based on how the battle ends in within us. And this is why Paul, when he wrote to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, he writes this, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, this is important. Now, listen carefully. Don't ever think for a minute God doesn't know what you think about. The worst thing you can think about, God knows. God knows what you've been thinking, what you have thought in the past. God knows all things. Now, the scripture doesn't say that Satan on the enemy can read your mind. So he cannot read your mind because he's not like God. He's an angelic being. But he knows your behavior. He analyzes. They analyze. They study you. Oh, I know what, pre- I, I know what button to press with Eddie. <laughs> you know. But God knows what you think about. Now, the, Nobody around you may not know what you're thinking about, but God knows. And so that's why it's important for us to be careful what we entertain in the mind because, you know, the thought after thought becomes an action after action becomes a habit after habit becomes a destiny, you see. And so it's so important that to take every thought captive, okay? So when the flesh and the spirit are battling, who's going to make it to the brain? Who's going to make it to the top? Take every thought captive. You have a filter right there. At least that's your last hope right there. Take it captive to the obedience of Christ. And then let's say the flesh wins and it gets to your mind and now you're thinking about, you know, what the flesh is telling you to do. Hey, you have desires, you have pleasures, let's run with that. You bring it before the Lord. And then you're tempted. Now again, we we studied this in the past. Being tempted is not a sin, it's falling into temptation. Jesus was tempted when he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. So this is where it all takes. This is the battle. And so they're battling for controlling the mind. And so that's why it's, it's, more, it's very important that we're careful to walk in the spirit, not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because once we fulfill the lust of the flesh, we're going to act upon it. Okay? And so the more you feed the flesh, the more it wants to be fed. Don't think for a moment, oh, I'm just going to feed it this one time. Oh, no, no. You're keeping it alive. Let it die. Let it die. That's why it's important that we should fast. We should fast. It's not, you know, a religious works. It's biblical. Fast. We need to fast. Why? Because, you know, sometimes the body, you know, the body needs a break. And a lot of things happen when you do fast, by the way. When you fast, what happens? Let's put it as when you eat. You eat a cheeseburger, right? Or like me, two cheeseburgers. <laughs> and the blood that's supposed to go to the digestive system, you know, it's supposed to go to the brain, it's going to the digestive system, and, and you know, it's just running around. You're not thinking clearly because you're digesting that burger or burgers, okay? 
But when we fast, you know, not feeding the flesh, we discipline the body. Body needs discipline, doesn't it? And now we think clear. Now when we go into prayer, you know, you know, there's a lot of blood up in the brain, if you will. The Holy Spirit, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you're putting into practice, you're thinking about what you're reading in your devotion and time. So it's very important. So don't feed the flesh, but feed the spirit. You know, if you feed the flesh, what's going to happen? Desires, ungodly sin is going to get stronger, and the spirit is going to lose the battle because you're feeding the flesh. On the other hand, if you feed the spirit, spending time with the Lord, studying the word of God in devotion, in worship, in prayer, ministering to one another, fellowship, koinonia, is so important. And now you're building up the spirit, you see. And the spirit wins. Now you're, you're putting on the mind of Christ, if you will. You're putting on the mind of Christ. You're thinking like Christ. You're walking like Christ. Why? Because you didn't give in to the spirit. So we need to be careful. This is where the battle, it comes from within us. Because what happens ultimately when the, the, if the flesh wins or the spirit wins, right? If, we, if the flesh wins, we're going to sin. And what's the wages of sin is? Death. Right? Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, it's very important. So this war, all these wars, it happens within us. We need to be careful. We need to be mindful of it. And this is the reason why Christians go through this cycle. Oh, spiritual high. Oh, spiritual low. Oh, I don't know if God loves me anymore. Now you forgot about doctrine. You forgot about theology. You forgot, you forgot about the things you need to know in the word of God. And this is why there's a lot of lukewarm Christians. This is the reason why a lot of Christians, you know, drift away. Because we don't understand the battle within we're not walking in the spirit. Rather, we're walking in the flesh. Back to James. Let's look at verse 2. We made it so far to verse 1 to verse 2. He says, you lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. You covet. You covet the things you do not have. And so let's, let's put this together, what we just learned about the battle within. And so the flesh is coveting something you do not have, maybe what somebody else's have. And so it makes its way to the mind, and it works out a scheme to get it to the point where you can actually kill someone. Now, in the writing of James, it could be, you know, if we have anger towards our brother, if we hate our brother, the Bible says that's murder. So wait a minute, that's Jesus' definition. Aren't you glad you decided to join us today on Running the Race? We've learned some great truths about authentic and passionate confidence in God that transcends all the ugly sin in this world and our own selves. We pray that God's Word has touched your heart today and motivated you to continue in the good fight of faith. Running the Race is a radio ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, 
visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com to learn more about the church and hear more messages. Would you prayerfully consider donating to this ministry with your finances? Your giving of any size is appreciated more than we can say. If you're able and the Lord is leading you, you'll find a Give tab on our homepage, runningtheraceradio.com. As we're working hard to put the message of Jesus into as many ears as we can, we acknowledge that we can't do it alone. So please pray for open hearts to receive Jesus. Pastor Eddie has more to share with you, so make sure to come back again for more here on Running the Race.